So this is part of what it means to be made in his image and to reflect what he is like. When you have been loved by him, it transforms you into a person who is loving Mm -hmm. and you just want to love other people for the sake of loving other people. Why does God love us? For no other reason than that he is love. Mm. Not that he's loving, he is love. Today on the podcast, we continue the discussion on 1 Peter 2 and explore how God's love in us compels us to engage culture. Well, I'm glad to get to be talking about this today. I've been hearing a number of people who are anxiously waiting to keep the conversation going on the podcast. You know what's thrilling for me? is I think this this might be the high point of anything I've ever experienced of when it f- just feels like a congregation is excited about scripture. Mm. It just feels like people are excited about the Bible. And that just that just thrills me. Absolutely. I love being a part of that. Yeah. Well say more about that. What do you think is going on? What's 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 giving that craving for this pure spiritual milk right now? What I, I what I'm just sensing from the things that people are saying to me, from the text threads that that, that I'm in on it just kind of the conversations that, that I'm hearing, people are excited to talk about first Peter. And my goodness, that's just, that's awesome. I love that. You know what I'm hearing coming out more and more is What's people that? are excited to not just talk about it, but to apply it. Mm. The, the questions that people are asking seem yeah. to be really driven by what yeah. does this actually look like in the way that I interact with people or in the yeah. way that I think about myself or how does this drive my activity? That's exciting. Yeah. That's super cool. That's it is. really, really cool. It is. And there's all kinds of stuff we get to talk about today that, uh, okay. that drives to the heart of that. Well, Svea, lead the way and uh, we'll dive in. All right, well, let's start right away with this idea of Jesus not calling us to be makers of a holy nation, but to be made into a holy nation. Yeah. I think I maybe didn't say it quite the same way you said in the message, but... Yeah, that's okay, but, but you, you, got the, you got the sense of it. profound idea. We are a part of a holy nation as soon as we trust in Jesus. Mm. We are a brand new people. We are his people. We are his nation, citizens of his kingdom, and we should th- we should celebrate that. Um, we should rest in that. Um, we should share that. And our goal is to represent him as the king and to invite other people to come into the kingdom. And let me just, if I could, let me just add a little clarity because sometimes mm-hmm. somebody was asking me, so when when do we tell people about Jesus? I'm like, but that's what we're doing. We're inviting them in. Mm-hmm. We it, How can they know unless someone tells them? We have to share the gospel message with other people. Mm-hmm. And this is a point of really important clarity. And... I might be tuned into a frequency that's different than other people are listening to. And so hopefully today is a day that I can bring a little bit of clarity to that. Yeah, I, I want you to go a little further on that. Okay. Because verse 12 talks about, in essence, mm-hmm. live such good lives among the pagans that yeah. they may see your good deeds and glorify God because of it. That's right. But how do we get from doing good mm-hmm. in our community to they actually want to worship God with us because of it. Okay. All there's all kinds of stuff to unpack here. And this this episode might go really long. And <laughs> but okay. Um just listen on two times speed. That's how I listen to podcasts. <laughs> uh, before I get to 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 live good lives in such a way, can, bring me back to that. Okay. But, but let me talk about let me talk about this. You know, I like to use the word counterfeit. 
there's the real thing, and then there's 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 a counterfeit. And anything that's an error, let's think of it like a counterfeit. And a counterfeit looks like a real thing, but it's actually worthless. Mm-hmm. Here is the counterfeit. Um, I do what I do, or I say what I say, simply so that people know that Jesus loves them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound right? It Does- sounds right, but it's manipulative in its motivation. Here's Even it, if it's a good motivation, it's still manipulative. Well, I, I'm not sure what the motivation is yet. The message is Jesus loves you. The motivation should be I love you. Hmm, keep I'm, talking. I'm doing the th- if I wh- the way that I engage you, the way that I interact with you, the way that I serve you, the way that I care for you, um, all the all the kind of good things that we're going to talk about in a minute that I participate in, and even in sharing the gospel about Jesus, I'm doing it because I love you. What's the number one command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And mm. then Jesus said, the second is like it. The second is equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It is not, and hear me on this, and, and it is not Jesus loving other people through me. Hmm. It okay. is me loving other people. And when I love other people, it helps them see that Jesus loves them too. Mm. But it's not, hey, I'm doing this for you so that you can hear Jesus loves you. It's I love you. And I'm doing these things because I love you. Love is an end into itself. And part of love is sharing what's true and good. People share what they love with who they love. Mm -hmm. And so because I love you and because I care about you, I also want to share with you about Jesus. And I want you to know that I love you, but I'm more invested in you knowing how much he loves you. Mm. But I'm not pretending to love you so that you can hear about his message of love for you. I actually love you. Yeah. Right. And so some of you, some of you out there, you might need to rewind it back and listen again. And maybe you need to rewind it back and listen again. It is not, I'm doing acts of goodness simply so that you can know Jesus love you. And somehow through me, not actually loving you, (laughs) you're going to experience that Jesus loves you through these acts that are motivated by something other than loving me. Yeah. It's, I love you. Yeah. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you too. And I'm more invested in you knowing that Jesus loves you, but you got to know I love you. Okay, that's thrilling, mm-hmm. and it's exciting, and it's compelling, yeah. and it's terrifying. Tell me why it's terrifying, because you're not the first person to say that to me today. What if I don't always feel love for everyone around me? Here's the good news. Love cannot be reduced to a feeling. Love will include your affections. It will include your feelings but it cannot be reduced to a feeling. Um, and this is, uh, J.D. Greer once wrote in a book on the gospel, he's like, I don't know where my thoughts begin and Tim Keller's ends, or <laughs> Tim Keller's thoughts begin in mine. I'll, I'll, okay, You're, I'm probably what I'm going to say next, I'm sure it comes from something Tim Keller wrote or said. And maybe this came from his book on marriage, but he said, when a mom gets up in the middle of the night, and is caring for a sick child when she's exhausted. She's not feeling mm-hmm. all the feels of love, mm-hmm. but that is love, mm-hmm. right? Love is primarily it's a it's an action, it's an it's an investment, it's a commitment to the well being of somebody else. Mm-hmm. And when you when you really do when you're committed to that, you're going to care about them. There's going to be affection attached to that. I think it would be unhealthy to utterly detach the actions of love from affection. But it would also be unhealthy to reduce love to merely affection. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. But this mm-hmm. is taking this is kind of next level identity and mm-hmm. security in Christ, isn't it? Yeah. Where it's not just about 
I've discovered something good in God that I want other people to have. Mm-hmm. But it's that I have experienced something right. good mm-hmm. in God mm-hmm. that is so filling in me yeah. that it just is what pours out. Yeah. So this is part of what it means to be made in his image and to reflect what he is like. When you have been loved by him, it transforms you into a person who is loving, mm-hmm. and you just want to love other people for the sake of loving other people. Why does God love us? For no other reason than that he is love. Mm. Not that he's loving, he is love. Mm-hmm. It's fundamentally who he is. And he doesn't He doesn't love you, he doesn't love me, he doesn't love anybody else because of some good that we did or some potential that we have. It's not some quality about us. He loves us because he is love. Love is an end into itself. And when we are like him, we will love. So what would you say to someone who might be listening right now and says, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm there. I'm not sure I resonate with this or I feel a little bit insecure in about my, my ability to express that kind of love to other people. Number one, bravo for just being willing to be vulnerable. Number one, so just let's just celebrate that. And the, and, and the fact that you're willing to say, I don't know that I'm there, that's probably evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in you. Mm. And so the next thing to do is just say, God, I don't think I'm there. Would you help me with this? Mm. I, I want to, here, here's a prayer that I think is fair to pray. I think a lot of Christians should pray this prayer. God, I want to want to. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to yet, but I want to want to. And would you help me with this? Yeah. I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit, and remember, all through chapter one, Peter is making this clear. The Holy Spirit of God is working in you to sanctify you, to make you more like Jesus. Yeah. Now, I know people are probably wondering, how does this get to a life of good works? We're, we're getting there. Um, but it's got to be motivated by love. If it's motivated by anything other than love, guess what it's not? It's not the gospel. Mm. It's something else. Mm-hmm. So bring it back to the original question. How mm-hmm. does does interacting with people in this kind of authentic love, mm-hmm. not just because we want them to know God's love, but because we have God's love in us that compels us sure. to bring that love to them. I appreciate you using that. Second Corinthians 5.14, we're compelled by the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does that actually then turn into them wanting to worship God with mm. us? Well, um, does it mean that because of that, they're like, why are you the way you are? <laughs> that, there you know, might there's kind be of that friendship of that. evangelism style sure. of, of hoping that people might just notice something that That's they right. see that they want. Or... That's right. There might be some of that in there. Or does it need to be more explicit than that? I think it's I think it's yes and yes and no. Okay. And so a lot of times, and totally understandable, when we read from our modern Western American context, we read something like, you know, live live such good lives in front of, that we think, okay, this is about private, personal goodness. You know, private, personal uprightness, basically have good good morals and be a good person. Mm-hmm. And while there is value in that. There is, but does that put too much of the focus on ourselves and our own actions? Well, it may, but I think it misses out on what good works actually was in the New Testament. Good works were serving the public good, mm-hmm. investing in the public good. And so the the, the New Testament church was this um, really confusing mix of people. <laughs> you have people... So like the it's pe- a good thing it's completely clarified and easy now. <laughs> All right. So hang with me now. Hang with me. Now, in the, in the New Testament church, you have people who are slaves. You have people who are probably very likely um, missed 
uh, not misplaced, but replaced by the by by the government. Mm-hmm. They're they're transported to a different community, and there's kind of like this forced exile. Um, and then you're gonna have you're gonna have people who are wealthy, and you have this dynamic mix of people from every point on the spectrum of society in the New Testament church. And Peter is saying to them, not just you individually, but you collectively, your good works, which was in that culture would have understood investing in things like um, parks, (laughs) investing in um, things that benefited the city, Mm -hmm. the things that we always think of, well, that's tax dollars that go to that, that public benefactors would actually fund these kinds of things in in, in, um, early first century, second century uh, Roman Roman world that we would say, oh, those are only funded by tax dollars. Benefactors would fund those things for cities and for communities. And I think Peter is saying, live your lives in such a way, do good things for the community that you are in, that they see your love and they mm. see they see this new life that you have mm. in Christ. And that combined with you also sharing the gospel is going to lead them to want to worship. I think Peter is connecting back to the kinds of things that we read in Jeremiah chapter 29. Listen, this is what you get. You are exiles. And so pray for the good of the city, work for the good of the city, build houses, plant gardens, mm. serve the best interest of the people that uh, for, for the community that enslaved you, that made you exiles, serve their good as well as your own simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I think Peter is drawing is drawing that in when he when he tells us to live our lives in sure. such good ways that would cause them to worship Jesus on the day that he returns. Well, and I think chapter two adds another layer on top of that too, mm-hmm. with the idea that um, that that they're living good lives in the view of people who are accusing them of doing wrong, yeah, or maybe mistreating them, yeah, or or not treating people kindly or yeah. with respect, but uh, rather than turning mistreatment for mistreatment, yeah, they're receiving that mistreatment and and living in a, a magnanimous kind of, that's why, of that's right. grace-filled, that's merciful right. way. That's right. And so this is something that I want to I want to grow in. I want to be more like the kind of people that Peter is describing. But people mistreat you, and you are kind and loving to them back. Mm-hmm. People, are, people are harsh to you. You are sacrificial towards them. In return, over time, that is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly powerful. It's hard not to notice that. When oh, someone yeah. responds in a way that's not just unexpected, but mm-hmm. unexpectedly good. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate the way that you just described that. Mm. So while I want, I would love for everyone in the United States of America to love and worship Jesus. And I would love for us to have laws that um, that reflect the wisdom of of Christ and his word. As I would love to have all of that. My orientation and my purpose as a follower of Jesus is to not construct a government like that. Mm-hmm. My orientation, my call as a follower of Jesus is to represent who he is as the king and invite other people into his kingdom. And as people step into his kingdom, as they trust, as they know, trust, follow Jesus, give their allegiance to him, repent of their sin, trust in Christ, and all that he's done, it is going to change their lives. And as more of our lives are changed, the more we're going to experience that kind of ripple out. So explain a little bit more about that, because I think for many people, it's a hard thing to understand or grasp. Like, why would it not be our goal as a Christian community to Mm -hmm. want to see the laws of the land match 
the the laws that we know from scripture like why why would that not be a good goal why what's uh what's the friction in orienting ourselves of of trying to 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 implement the same kind of order and goodness in government as we see in the principles of scripture well what happens is when you begin to impose your beliefs on others through force of law it creates um, a real nasty resentment and uh, it, for the things that you believe and the one that you're the one that you're trying to to represent and I, listen i just don't think that we've seen any example in history of people of people trying to do this and it not going horrifically wrong mm. you know it's just it's I, what what exactly do we mean what exactly do we mean when we talk about this are you tracking with me? Mm-mm. You're not tracking with. Okay, so state your question again. What's wrong with? Tra- what? Yeah. What would be the 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 misstep or or maybe the the misplaced motivation by wanting to enact the the laws of the land to match the the principles in okay. scripture? What, what do we mean by that? So having laws that back up our beliefs about things like abortion or okay. about marriage or listen, or, I listen. I think it would be. Absolutely right. I think it would be absolutely right to have laws that that this is this is hard to talk this this is hard to talk about because I'm not a medical expert and there's all kinds of there's all kinds of scenarios that we have to be able to to make accommodations for right. But I absolutely would love for this to be a country that did not allow for um, elective abortions. Can I describe it that way? Mm-hmm. If I say elective abortions, get everybody out there just just understand we're not talking about we're not talking about ectopic pregnancies. We're not talking about all kinds of medical scenarios that I'm not educated to understand, right? And let's just kind of set the the rape and incest and all of those exceptions that people want to use in arguments. Let's just set that aside. Let's just say I'd love to live in a country and I'd love for it to be true of our country that it wasn't it wasn't encouraged, um, it wasn't allowed, it wasn't legal mm-hmm. to have. Uh, to to have elective abortions, I think that would be I think that would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's a different thing. It's a totally different thing for to have laws that mandate that people act like followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this is where that gets this is where that gets confused, and that probably deserves a whole other whole other conversation. Does that nuance or does that distinction make sense? It does make sense. I would imagine a a question that could come out of that mm-hmm. though is even. Some people may bristle at the idea of us enacting our own sense of morality on other mm-hmm. people who don't think the same way that we think. But uh, but if we were to be able to do that, isn't it a, a method of being able to protect people from themselves? Sure. I, I, I get that. I, I, I totally get that. And anyone who said, well, all laws are imposition of morality, you're right. We have no way around that. We absolutely we absolutely have to do that to have any sort of uh, order and safety and protection um, in in society. We have to we have to structure ourselves uh, that way. I'm I'm trying to remember this question: What does love require of me? And so I would want every politician, I'd want every judge, I'd want every lawyer, I'd want everybody, every police officer, every police chief, everybody to operate. What is the what is the most loving thing to do mm. for all involved? And to and to look at it look at it in that regard. And at the same time. I've got to think about something that the Apostle Paul said. He was writing to the Corinthian churches. It's not my business to judge those who are 
who, who are not followers of Christ. I'm talking about I'm talking about those in the in the church. And and so what we have to do is we have to do the hard work of wrestling with wisdom. I think we should I think we should read Thomas Aquinas. I think we should read Martin Luther King Jr. I think we should read Miroslav Volf. I think we should read Samuel Perry. I think we should read David French. I think we should read a wide variety of others. I think we should listen to to Russell Moore. I think there are all kinds of people that we should listen to and do the hard work of engaging in wisdom. Well, what does it mean to take the wisdom of God's word and how we design life and bring uh, bring that with me and how I engage politically and how I engage in society and every sphere in which I have access, mm-hmm. right? So, so that's, that gets to that idea of being a cultural that's ambassador right. rather than a cultural warrior. That's right. That's right. A cultural warrior is somebody as best I understand it, who views them as being against a culture and a people and on guard against their sins. And I just think whenever we're more concerned about the sins of other people than we are with our own, we become people who are not merciful, not kind, not loving, and we just whiff on our ability to represent Jesus. Mm. We are not in a fight against people. We are in a fight against our own sin. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about this with folks before, and I remember one time I was having lunch with somebody, and I said, you know, I'm not a cultural warrior, and he looked at me like I was crazy. Mm -hmm. like, what I want to do is I want to I want to influence people. I'm not even trying to influence culture. What I want to do is I want to love people. I want to influence people. I even want to lead people to Jesus. But I I just I think it's a bridge too far to think that I'm going to change culture. What I can do is I can contribute, mm-hmm. and um, and I can love people and I can serve people. I can try to influence people and I can try to to I can try to lead people. Um, so describe the yeah. mindset of mm-hmm. someone who is seeking to live their life as an ambassador for Jesus rather than engaging in a culture war. Because okay. it, it does seem like a very different starting place in the way that you're seeking to engage I both society and our neighborhoods and our communities. For for some people, what I'm talking about feels like a totally different language. And you, I don't. if this is new to you, I don't expect you to get it in one, in one conversation. Let's talk about the Grammys. A lot of people just were just irate over the devil worship and Satanism and, and the Grammys. And, and there are some pretty, there, there are some things about, um, about Sam Smith and the, and the, and, and the performance and, and all of that. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I guess you're just going to have to go back and, you know, read some articles or, or watch some clips on YouTube. I would find it very problematic, very problematic, very, very sinful. Right. And it's like, I wouldn't want anybody that I love, anybody that I care about, I would not want them to celebrate what was celebrated at the Grammys, mm. right? But I don't think as a pastor, as a dad, as a, as a Jesus follower, as an American citizen, that it's my job to go out and try and to, 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 to fight against them, right? Mm-hmm. As a follower of Jesus, this is, my, this, is, this is what I think the first thing needs to be. What are they after? What do they, what do, what do, what do they want deep down? Deep down, everybody's after the exact same three things we've been talking about. Significance, security, and satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Everybody's heart is wired for that. Mm-hmm. To need and to desperately desire significance, security, and satisfaction. These are folks who think that they're going to find it in something, in, in something totally different. And it's a dead end. And I'm not mad at them. My heart breaks for them and I want better for them. Mm-hmm. I want them to know life that is truly life. If I'm a culture warrior, they're going to think that I'm trying to fight them and I want to hurt them and I want to win against them. I don't want to win anything against them and I don't want to hurt them and I don't want to, I don't want to fight them. My heart breaks for them. And I want, 
I want them to have significance, and I want them to have security, and I want them to have satisfaction, and they're only going to find it in Christ. Mm. I think about with Jesus, they stretched his arms and his legs out, and they began hammering the spikes through the through the skin, through the sinews, through the veins, cutting through the muscle. I mean, just ramming hard into the cross. Mm. And what did he pray? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Mm. They don't know what they're doing. They have, they're, they're lost. Mm. They just, they don't know. And so I just don't, I don't know how we could have the mindset of a culture warrior and have the mindset of Jesus at the same time. Hmm. Listen, if there are things about things about sexual sins or sexual identity or sexual movements or whatever out there that that bother you, if there are things about political ideology that bother you, if there are things uh, about um, if there's things politically that bother you, I mean, just pick any anything in the entertainment industry that bothers you. If there, whatever it is that has you up in knots. What if we looked at it the same way that Jesus looked at those Roman soldiers who were pounding the spikes into his body? What if we looked at it that way? I don't think we would, I just don't think we would respond like soldiers. I think we would respond like a suffering servant. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. I I appreciated your line about Jesus not drafting us into a war against mm -hmm. people. Yeah. But right there in chapter 2, verse 11, it talks about the war is against our own souls because yeah. of the sinful desires that we have within us. Yeah. And and maybe it is that the, the more we wage war against our own sin, mm-hmm. the more we are able to be filled with God's love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. That, that's what I want for me. And there are times, can I just be super vulnerable? There are times I'm like, I feel like I feel like the well is dry <laughs> today. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't feel I just don't feel like I'm representing God's love. I feel like and I, I feel like I am becoming a person of self-protection and self-promotion and self-assertion. And oh, and I just feel the I just feel the stuff kind of mm-hmm. like boiling up in, inside of me. And yeah. Yeah, because I'm a sinner. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I need a savior, and so that's just the time just to be just to throw my hands up and just be like, God, here I'm. Uh, listen, I thank you for helping me see this, and I to- I need you, and I am totally dependent on you. I was having a conversation with someone, and they were asking me, so like, is this just all us, or like, don't, don't we require, don't we like need God in us? And I'm like, I absolutely do. And what we're talking about, the kind of stuff we're talking about right now, it does not come naturally. Mm-hmm. It only comes supernaturally. The Everything that I'm saying, everything we're talking about, it is gibberish and it is nonsense, unless God and his kindness really does put his spirit in us, working in us, animating these things inside of us, empowering us to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Yeah. If it, if it were not for that, I would just, I'd be nothing but a mess. I'd be nothing but a walking contradiction. So, so this might be silly, but the the picture that I have in my mind as you're describing this is this image of Peter being invited to step out of the boat, step mm-hmm. out of the waves, yeah. and walk to Jesus. Oh that, yeah, that this this whole approach to life of being focused on eradicating our own sins so that we can be filled with the love of God in such a way that draws people to Him mm-hmm. is a call to deep, deep faith to, yeah. to walking on the water kind of faith. Sure. And yet what, uh, what went wrong for Peter was fear, 
when he started yeah. to fear, he started to sink. And I think there's a big element of fear involved yeah. in culture wars, yeah. in, in letting go of mm-hmm. the tendency that we might have to say, well, I need to wage war against what I see wrong in society or wrong in my community. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much fear involved in that. So how do we let go of some of this fear so what that drives we can out fear? have that faith? Well, <laughs> huh, I guess someone said it was perfect love, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> perfect love drives out fear. Hmm. Yeah. Perfect love drives out fear. And what I want to say to myself, what I want to say to those listening, what I want to say to those people that I that that I care about and is this, it's don't try to white knuckle it to more love. Mm-hmm. Just look at Jesus. Behold you spend time in his word, spend time in prayer and just really marinate your mind and your heart in Jesus. And know how much he loves you. Remember what the Apostle Paul said. Listen, the Spirit of God is in you, reminding you, you are not condemned. You are free and you are loved. Mm-hmm. Um, we gotta we gotta remember how much how much we are loved. And he is the source. We're not the source. He is the source. And um, you know, I, I found myself saying this. Uh, kind of over and over again throughout some sermons this year, we don't look within, we look to him. And so we're not going to white knuckle it. We're not going to try and muster it up. We're not going to try to effort our way there. Effort is required, absolutely, but we're not passive puppets in this, but we're going to look to Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're connected to him. Remember how loved we are in him. And now we're able to share his love with others. Now, let me draw back to something I said earlier. Somebody might might say, Rick, earlier you said it's not Jesus loving other people through you. And what I meant by that was, it's not like I don't love you, it's Jesus who loves you, and I'm just along for the ride. Mm -hmm. But when I remember that Jesus loves me, and I'm transformed by his love, and that's the love that I'm sharing, then in that sense, yes, it is Jesus loving you through me, but not without me also loving you at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so if we're afraid... If we're afraid, remember that we're loved. Um, I read from somebody this morning that the number one command, the the most repeated command throughout Scripture is, fear not, because I'm with you. Mm. We're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's one of the things that that we need we need to remember. And I, I think that's one of the things that scares us the most. We're going to be alone, and we're not going to be able to handle it, and my worst fears are going to happen. Let's stop. You are loved, you are significant, you are safe, mm. <laughs> and you're fulfilled in Christ, and you are not alone. You're not alone. And so there's no reason for fear. So keep talking about that fear in the context of First Peter chapter 2, because the idea of submitting to a government mm-hmm. that maybe is not uh, what we would consider to be a holy government or a righteous sure. government is, is scary. So what mm-hmm. do we do with that kind of fear? Okay, this is this is where we're going to go down. We're going to we're going to walk down a different path, um, or an, 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 I don't mean like a totally different path. But I'm just, we, there's a path that we need to walk down that's really important. When I say that we don't have any reason to fear, it's not me saying it's not like your worst fears aren't going to come true. The things that you're concerned about most, or the things that you don't want to happen most, they may actually happen, mm-hmm. and yet you still have no reason to fear. Mm-hmm. It, it, Peter is clearly talking to people who have been misunderstood and mistreated by their government, misunderstood and mistreated by their community. Some of them are slaves, and they're getting 
beat on by their by their owner for no other reason than he's just a mean dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right in the in the heart of injustice. So, I mean, so that's mm-hmm. it. I mean, that's it. It's not Peter saying, "Hey, like if you just remember Jesus loves you, bad things aren't going to happen." That is not what we're talking about. Remember that Jesus loves you. The worst might happen, and you have no reason to fear. That's the gospel message. Jesus loves you. The worst might happen. You have no reason to fear. And so what has happened, what has happened, I think, in our comfortable, prosperous culture is, all right, Jesus loves me. My circumstances are going to be such that I am uh, immune to or inoculated against real severe hurts and injustice. Mm -hmm. It's not a guarantee. Being in Christ is not a guarantee that we won't experience injustice. It might be a guarantee of the opposite, Mm -hmm. that if you are in Christ and you are his ambassador, at some point you will because of that, simply because of your association with him. To this you were called, follow his example. And the irony is that even in this present generation, Mm -hmm. the 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 reality of faith in persecuted yeah. countries and cultures is that so many Christians in those um, in the, in those those pockets of persecution express a more vibrant faith, mm-hmm. a deeper faith, a yeah. more alive faith, a greater hunger for the things of God yeah. than we do in our comfortable society. And so the things that we're afraid of losing might actually be the things that could be good for our faith ultimately. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I want to, I want to, I want to tell a story um, about a pastor I was hanging out with in India. This man is a, is a godly, uh, godly man named Matthew Matai, uh, who had a master's degree like in computer science and um, left a very lucrative job to go to India to, uh, to be a, to be a pastor, a lifetime missionary. He's originally from India, moved to the United States, educated, lucrative career, Turned away from that for the past thirty-five plus years has been a, been a pastor in southern India. Uh, moved to a different part of India where than he was raised in. Had to had to learn a whole new culture, whole new whole new language. Uh, but man, I, I just so much. This guy would be a hero of mine. I remember one time he, telling me this is this is how I just kind of got connected in this community. He's like, I'm I am lactose intolerant, and I'd go and I'd sit. <laughs> On a summer day, and and on on the floor of this hut in a, in a village, one hundred percent Hindu village, and I'm offered basically a warm cup of milk, and like <laughs> drinking the milk, He's man. For it. <laughs> it's just it's just like it's building building relationship, and over the years, thousands and thousands of people would be baptized. Many many um, men and women would be raised into positions of leadership, going off uh, to 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 college and getting educated, coming back and serving as pastors. It's just this beautiful beautiful ministry. But we're talking about persecution. You know what he told me? He's like, I don't, I don't, me and my guys, we don't have to deal with a lot of persecution, but some people do. Let me tell you an example about a guy who came in and on a Hindu holiday, when people were worshiping, he went over, uh, he went, while they're having their party and their celebration in a very obnoxious way, he walked into the village and he started preaching and interrupted what they were doing and they beat him up. And he said, listen, that guy did not get beaten up because of his allegiance to Jesus. He got beaten up because he was annoying. (laughs) He got beaten up because he was obnoxious Mm. and he was not a good neighbor, right? He didn't, he did, he was not interested in taking the time to build relationships. 
He was not taking, he was not interested in taking the time to prove that he loved people or to actually love them at all. Mm. But he waited for a moment of them, um, their their devotion to to this this particular this particular celebration to engage them and what was experienced by them as hostile and so they responded hostily. Sure. Should we call that persecution? Mm. Matthew Matai said, "No, that's not persecution. That's getting beaten up for being rude." Yeah. Well, I appreciate you brought that out because I think there are kind of two sides of this coin in mm-hmm. this fear. There's the the side that is afraid of mm-hmm. genuine persecution and, yes. and a real change mm-hmm. in what it would be like to be a Christian mm-hmm. in our culture. But then there's also the other side of the coin that is maybe just being a little bit gullible to fear-mongering and, yes. and people using our fears mm-hmm. to manipulate us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you pointed out in the message that uh, that you really felt a little wobbly even talking about the idea of suffering in in this sense, because yeah. it's not something that you've really experienced. I've got and, a pretty comfortable lifestyle. I've had some hard moments in life, but I got a pretty comfortable lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. And and maybe maybe the fears aren't nearly as, as yeah. uh, common or frequent as we like to give them power to be. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there are people who live in fear, don't live in fear. And then there are people who they're going to be more like the guy that I just described, who's a bit more obnoxious. And they're like, see, I'm being persecuted for my faith. No, you're not. (laughs) You're being persecuted because of the way that you engage people, not because of your connection to Jesus. That's important to just kind of think through. Mm -hmm. Like, am I, are people, are people responding to me because of Jesus? Are they responding to me the way that they are? Because maybe I'm not that kind mm. in the in the way. But then there's another thing that can happen. You can be afraid, and then you try to like gear up, and then you overact, and it's it's just this is discipleship, and we're in this for the long haul. And following Jesus is a marathon. It's not it's not a sprint. Mm-hmm. I really want to encourage people to get together in small groups, get together with others, be studying, be praying, be encouraging, and just each day we're trying to take our next step in loving God and loving other people, serving other people, sharing the message. And just walking with Jesus in every aspect of our life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to ask you a question mm-hmm. about the three-part framework you gave for approaching government and submitting to government. You okay. talked about always submitting to authorities. Yep. Sometimes subverting authorities. Yeah. And rarely disobeying authorities. That's right. But the question I have starts with the first one about always submitting to authorities. Mm-hmm. And you took that right out of Scripture. I mean, that's sure. that's exactly that's what, what it's Peter saying said. in verse 13, yeah. about submit yourself to the Lord's sake to every human authority, mm-hmm. even you know to an unjust emperor that's kind right. of idea. So if we want to live our lives as, as love-filled people, that's right. as people who are displaying God's love to the world around us in a way that mm-hmm. is so compelling... And yet we're living that out in a land where maybe we have to submit to some things that are not the same laws of God. Mm-hmm. How do we do that in a way that isn't compromising or... or risk- Let's, It'd probably be helpful if we use specific examples, because I think one of the, one of the critiques that I'm going to get from folks is that I'm being too general, and they're like, mm. I just need you to give me something specific. Mm-hmm. So let's go, let's, go, let's go back to the days of COVID, and let's go with uh, mask mandate. Okay. Let's just use that one as, as, as an example. Or, uh, and then we're going to grad, after mask mandate, we're going we're gonna to graduate up to lockdown and you can't meet together. Okay. All right. And then how about uh, like engaging in protests? 
during yeah, that will, area too. Okay. So I'm glad you've chosen something that's not at all controversial. Let's use or... the hardest ones. <laughs> let's use let's use let's use the hardest ones because if, if we're if we're able to walk through the hardest ones with some clarity, then the easier ones I, I think are it's going to be a lot. It's it's right, going to more I'm quickly excited. be able to apply. All right, let's do it. So let's talk about mask mandates. Let's. Uh, so okay, our city official said you have to wear masks. When you, if you if you if you gather inside the city limits, you have to wear a mask. We had to do this um, a little while ago, mm-hmm. back in back in twenty twenty one, and uh, okay, all right. So that's the law. It's a it's a city law. What if I just think that they're wrong? Okay, mm-hmm. maybe they are wrong. I'm not going to get. I'm not. Listen. I'm not. I'm. I'm trained in theology and philosophy and ethics. I'm not trained in airborne pathogens and viruses <laughs> and all. I'm not. I'm the wrong guy to talk about that. Uh-huh. I can regurgitate what I read online, but I'm the wrong guy to answer questions. I don't know if they're right or wrong, and the intersection of jurisprudence and science and all of it. I don't know. I just know that's the law, and maybe they're wrong. But even if they are wrong, I got to do it. Mm. I have to do it because they're the ones who are in charge. They're the ones who have the authority. And listen, Americans and American Christians, we've got to come to terms with the fact that there are authorities and most of the time they're Mm. not us. Mm. And we are to submit. Mm -hmm. We are to submit. And by the way, Jesus is the perfect picture of submission. Jesus submitted. And the better you understand the Trinity, the more you see that they submit and to defer to each other mm-hmm. and, and delight in each other, that this is, this is a part of who God is and we're made, to, we're made to reflect what he is like. That's part of what it means to be made in his image. So submission, we should be the best examples of what submission looks like. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're, let's just imagine, and I'm not giving, I'm not saying yes or no on this, but let's just imagine the best thing is medically is to not wear a mask or the best thing, whatever. But that's what the law is. And even if they're wrong, if I'm going to be submissive, I got to do it. If I'm going to, if I'm going to disobey the law about wearing a mask, it has to be because I'm pers- I'm absolutely convinced that putting on a mask puts me in violation of Jesus's leadership in my life. Mm-hmm. That putting on that mask means disobeying Jesus. Maybe somebody else can make that case. I don't know how to make that case. So I'm putting on the mask. Mm-hmm. And our our church's, whether we were right or wrong, our church's framework was we're going to honor elected officials, honor the best medical advice that we have, and honor what's in the best interest of each other. I just, I don't think that, I don't think we were hurting anybody by, by wearing, by wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Maybe it helped. Maybe it didn't help. I'm not a medical expert. Um, I did our... Did our local officials did they overstep what the law allowed them to do? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let lawyers and judges sort that out. I might have an opinion on it, but at the end of the day, I gotta submit. And putting on a mask did not put me in disobedience to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So verse 17 in this says, "Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor." Yeah. So how how does in this example wearing a mask or not wearing a mask feed into that verse? So what what I would say is, this is the law. If I'm going to honor them, I need to obey the law. And if I don't wear a mask when it was mandated, then I'm dishonoring that. And I only, as a follower of Jesus, I only have an out if obey. Obeying that law puts me in violation of obeying Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just not persuaded that putting on a mask led me to disobey Jesus. 
Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I, I, I can't get there. Maybe some people can get there. And if you are convinced, if you are absolutely convinced that putting on a mask puts you in violation of obedience to Jesus, then I would say, like Dr. King said, okay, disobey openly, lovingly, and willingly accept the penalty. Mm. And by by doing it openly, you're not hiding. By doing it lovingly, you're not you're not being malicious and you're not being antagonistic. And by willingly uh, so, uh, accepting the penalty, you are showing honor and submission, even though you're not going along with it. Mm-hmm. And that's what it means to be a Jesus follower. I'm just not persuaded that that put me in violation of Jesus's commands. Other people perhaps were. I'd need them to explain that to me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Let's go to lockdowns. All right. Now we're graduating up a little bit. Um, churches cannot physically gather together. And that was that was mandated by by the by the law. This is really going to be um, this is really going to test our or be a test of conscience on this one. I was not persuaded that participating in that put me in violation of what Jesus commanded, of of my my allegiance to Jesus. Other people were. I'm not mad at them. I don't see them as I don't see them as enemies. I don't see them as I don't see them as hostile or arrogant Christians. I don't see them as dumb Christians or anything like that. They they they're at a point where man, listen. If I do this, then I'm actually I, I I'm convinced I'm disobeying Jesus. Well, by all means, never do anything that you believe causes you to disobey Jesus. Mm-hmm. If there's a tension between what you believe is how you should honor Jesus and it means violating the law, then break the law, but do it openly, do it lovingly, and be willing to accept the penalty. Mm-hmm. I think the lovingly aspect mm-hmm. of that it has a lot of force behind it. Yeah. Because if we're doing that lovingly, we're still doing it with the motivation that this chapter speaks about. Yeah. Of, wanting to uh, to inspire others to see Jesus in mm-hmm. us and to to experience Jesus in yeah. our actions and to join us in worship of Jesus yeah and uh, and and often in those days in the the disagreements mm-hmm. that loving aspect was missing sure. in a lot of those conversations if we go if we go back to the New Testament we look at guys like Peter like Silas like Paul and and others um, they would, in violation of the law that was handed down to them, they would preach the gospel openly and publicly. And then when they were put on trial for it, they would openly and lovingly and humbly continue to preach the gospel mm-hmm. to uh, those in power. And then they were thrown into prison, and then they were beaten. Mm-hmm. And you know what they would do? Sing worship songs while in prison. Yeah, They didn't... They didn't pout and complain and whine. By the way, that's exactly what I would have done. <laughs> that's exactly what I would. They sing. They sing worship songs, and then there were times that they actually served the ones who chained them over themselves. Mm-hmm. You think about the time that God miraculously opened the doors of the prison cell, mm-hmm. and the and the jailer was about to. Was about to commit suicide because he was. He woke up. He was like, "Oh, all the assumed they'd escaped. They'd they'd escaped, and he Mm -hmm. knew that the punishment was going to be that he had to be executed, and the honorable way out was just to go ahead and commit suicide." Like, no, 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 no. We're still here. We're still here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. That kind of attitude and disposition and love is very different than a lot of what we've seen in our own country. Yeah. 
So right. connect these dots. Is that the mm-hmm. picture that you're driving at about what it looks like to submit to government, yeah. even if you don't agree with government, sure. in I'll a s- way that is is loving, that oh, a, yeah. in a way that is respectful, in a way that is honoring, while still honoring God above all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so let's. Some people are going to think that we're that we're splitting hairs, but this is this is the work of wisdom, and it takes work. Wisdom cannot be reduced to rules. Right, mm. you cannot reduce. Say that again. <laughs> wisdom cannot be reduced to rules. What we're doing is we're taking truth and we're pl- applying it to sometimes rapidly changing situations. Truth doesn't change; situations change. But we're, how do we how do we apply how do we apply truth to these changing situations? That in, that requires that requires wisdom. All right, so we're continuing to use to use lockdowns here. If you think the lockdowns are illegal and you disobey, you disobey the leaders because you think that they're violating the law, overstepping uh, a state's constitution, you might have a legal case there. But that's different from what Peter's talking about. You're choosing to not follow. You're choosing to not follow leaders for political reasons or legal reasons. I think Peter would say, "Nope, you got. You need to honor them." You need to honor them. Work the process, but honor them. You only you only engage in disobedience if it if it means disobeying Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, if for political reasons or legal reasons you're not honoring uh, elected officials or those who are who are in power and positions of authority, I think you really need to wrestle with that. Then there's something else that's driving your behavior, not your discipleship. If you are absolutely convinced. That participating in a in, in lockdown and not gathering together like we like we weren't able to do back in the in the days of 2020, that that caused you to disobey Jesus. Well, then all then what you have to do is you got to gather together, but you don't do so making fun of government. You don't do so mockingly. You don't. You just you openly, you lovingly gather, and when they come to hand down the penalty, you willingly embrace it. Mm-hmm. What would you say? to that there's kind of a way of thinking that says the more that I do submit to these kinds of government actions that I don't necessarily agree with, it's, it's putting culture down a path that is dangerous of just blindly accepting things of, of maybe, uh, you know, that the extreme example given is that it, it was kind of the, the cultural influence in Germany mm-hmm. that Nazis were yeah. able to use to let Hitler come to power and, and uh, enact all kinds of atrocities on a culture as they just blindly went down that path. Yeah. What would be, what's your response to I that? I would encourage you to read about and read from Karl Barth and read about and read from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, I think those would those would be two gentlemen who would be very helpful. Uh, there are many others. Um, there's many others that we can look to. I'd say uh, read about and read from Corey Tinboom. Um, there there are lots of people who we can who we can learn from in that. Our highest allegiance is to our King, mm-hmm. and we want to represent Him, and we want to invite people into His. We want to invite people into his kingdom. That's the that's gotta be that's gotta be our top priority. It's gotta be the thing that we're that we're thinking about, the thinking about most. What I'm not saying is just be passive and don't care and don't be engaged and don't be involved. We absolutely should. I actually advocated be very involved. Get as involved and in the lowest to the highest level as you possibly can 
and bring the gospel with you. Love, mercy, and goodness, and let the gospel work through you and in you in that institution from the from the from the inside out. Absolutely engage. And the beauty is, in our country, the way that our our our, our nation is established, is we have all kinds of different entry points in which we could participate. Mm-hmm. Please participate. Please do not be passive. Participate, engage, and use all the mechanisms that are available to us. I think you see the Apostle Paul use that. The Apostle Paul, there, there are times that he would, I mean, the guy got beat on so many different times. There's one time he was getting beat on. He was like, hey, you guys know I'm a Roman citizen, right? And then they got freaked mm-hmm. out because they realized that they were breaking the law by just going ahead mm-hmm. and enacting a punishment on him without having, um, without following the process of justice. So, so there are times that he used that. To, to benefit from, that's perfectly good and wise, smart thing to do. There were other times that he used the law, not to his own advantage, but for the advantage of the gospel. He could have been released when he's standing before uh, Felix and Agrippa, but he kept appealing so that he would get closer and closer to Rome, closer and closer to the halls of power, so that he would be able to share the gospel at the very top of Roman society. Mm-hmm. And so he worked the legal system in such a way that he would stay in prison longer and have greater access to preach the gospel to those in power. Mm-hmm. But we just, let's just spend some time kind of thinking through that, marinating in that, wrestling with that. What do I want to do? I can I have, I have all of these options available to me. I'm going to participate. I'm going to engage. I'm not going to be passive, but my highest allegiance is to the king so that I can invite people into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. What does that look like here? Yeah. Right, as we're doing that as cultural ambassadors. As cultural ambassadors, not culture warriors. Mm -hmm. Because that's how we engage as the holy nation of God's chosen people. That's right. How we are a royal priesthood for Jesus. That's right. And bring his holiness Mm -hmm. into the nation around us. That's right. Rather than trying to change the nation's structure first. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. I want to have influence. I want to have influence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So engage, participate. I love towards the end of the message, though, you talked about we can handle anything that's thrown our way mm-hmm. because of the model of Jesus Christ That's right. as our suffering servant. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a beautiful way that Peter ends this chapter with pointing to the mm-hmm. suffering of Christ yeah. on our behalf, this love-filled suffering that he did for us. And if our identity is in Christ, suffering for his sake isn't something that we need to fear yeah. or to shy away from, but is an honor to suffer with him. That's right. You know, I've been thinking about this quite a, quite a bit lately, probably a lot because I'm um, preaching through this passage, but also in, in my own discipleship. And this is something that um, I really, I really want to grow in. Um, I don't journal, but um, I, I have a, I read, I, I do my devotion uh, digitally through an app called Logos, and there you can put sticky notes on, mm. on verses. And I came across something. Um, that I wrote some time ago. I don't even know when I wrote it, but it's connected to Psalm 28. It says, uh, verse one, the wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Hmm. And um, the the old note that I have here was, be bold, be brave, be courageous. Isn't it good to know that being right and being righteous are not the same things? The status of being right is fluid. The status of being righteous is fixed. If any amount of suffering, hardship, ridicule, misunderstanding, inconvenience, impoliteness, or if any other unwanted thing can threaten my identity, my security, my sense of meaning, then I have shifted my allegiance to an idol. 
if, however, my allegiance is to Christ, bring it on. <laughs> nice. So I just felt, I just felt encouraged by that. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Mm. And there's nothing that we can't talk about. There's nothing that we can't face. There's nothing that we can't endure, not because of something about who we are, but because about the one who is with us and who is in us. We are not alone. So don't be afraid. May it be so. All right. So this has been a great talk. And I, listen, I don't know. We might listen to this back and think, ah, did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> the, goal is to, the goal is to be clear. Hopefully it, everything boils down to this. Jesus is with us. He loves us. He has made us able to love other people. Let's go love them. And let's say no to every reason for fear. And just about every time we want to fight, just about every time we want to get, get a little grumpy, there's typically something there that we're afraid of. So let's just ask ourselves, what's the story I'm telling myself about myself? What am I afraid of? Can I remember? I have, there might be bad things that happen, but I have no reason to be afraid. Mm. Jesus is with me. He is in me and I'm in him. And nothing could ever change that. I am held by his power, not my own. Amen. 